Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, speaker, coach, and the creator of the Aligned Time Journals. Every week on this podcast, we are asking the big questions. What is great work and why does it matter so much to us? What does it take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? Whether your great work is building your own small business or managing a remote team at a multinational company, you'll find insight and answers here. Welcome everybody to Unleashing Your Great Work. I am your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, and today I could not be happier to be joined by Dr. Michelle Mazur. She works with brilliant business owners who are shaking things up, but having trouble talking about it. She's the author of three books, including a newly re-released version of her three-word rebellion, which I've read and it's very good. And she knows that speaking about what you do in a clear and captivating way is the key to reaching the people that you could help the most. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you, Amanda. I am thrilled to be here. Yay. <laughs> We're equally thrilled. Yay. So, yay. <laughs> so I have a question for you. It's the question I start every podcast with. And that question is, tell us a little bit about your great work. Mm, my great work is all around communication and messaging. I created a framework called the three word rebellion and what the purpose of that is to encapsulate the change that you want your business to create in just three words. Mm. So think about start with why the five second rule, the four hour work week, like mm. these are all phrases that we've heard before. They are phrases that have made us curious to want to know more. And I created a process that I can guide people through or they can read a book and figure out what their own three word rebellion is that message they want to be known for. And I've, I mean, I've been passionate about communication since I was about 15 years old, I think I started <laughs> down this path. But I really believe that if we can powerfully communicate the value our business creates, other people will get it, they'll get on board with us, they'll become the messengers of our message. And ultimately, our business can be a bit of a movement maker, and out there mm. doing good in the world and reaching the people we most need to reach with our message. So my great work is all around the three word rebellion and communication. It is what I love and what I'm most passionate about in the world. Love it. So your three word rebellion is three word rebellion. Yes. I'm super <laughs> meta like that. <laughs> yeah. So there's a really interesting word in that, which I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, like, what is it about a rebellion? Cause I've seen you, I think your podcast is called the rebel podcast uh, rebel uprising. Yeah. Rebel, uh, yes. rebel uprising. Yeah. So there's something about rebellion that seems to speak to you. What is that? Yeah, it's really this idea of taking a stand for something. Mm -hmm. There's so much like 
oh, me too marketing where everything sounds the same, that all of a sudden when there is a fresh voice on the scene, you're like, mm. oh, this person is interesting. They're saying something different. Mm. And I never really felt like I fit in in the like online business space, much like mm. I didn't fit in in high school. Right? <laughs> like I was the theater kid, the speech and debate kid. And in the online business world, I feel like there are these like popular people who are really, really well known. And mm. then there's the rest of us kind of quietly doing our great work in the mm. world. Mm -hmm. And not getting attention. So for me, when you kind of stage a rebellion, you're saying like, hey, I see things and I don't like them. I think mm. we could do things better. We could do things differently. We could be doing more good in the world. And mm. so staging that kind of rebellion is, you know, a necessary step for people who don't feel like they fit in to gather their right people around them. And I know even for me, like when I first started this business, I started it as a public speaking coach before I was going into brand messaging and positioning and all of that. Um, and my first client came because I wrote this really, really ranty blog post about how not to be a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. And it was in response to this woman that I saw who like took the stage and she asked us all to stand up mm. and we did. She asked us to clap and we did. And then she said, you have given me a standing ovation and now I must earn it. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. Wow. And and boy, oh. she did not earn it. And oh, that boy. spawned this ranty blog post about how to do better with speaking. And it was the type of post that you're scared to share because it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is super edgy. But people ended up responding to it. And then I got this email with the blog post in the title. And mm -hmm. I was like, crap. Mm -hmm. I'm in for it. And I opened it up and he's like, Hey, I love this. I'm looking for a new public speaking coach. I have a big event coming up. Would you like to talk about it? And I didn't mm -hmm. have a business or anything then, but oh, wow. yeah, like no, no packages, no fees, nothing, <laughs> not even a <laughs> You're like, yes, license. I can. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. Let's talk about it. And he ended up, he was speaking in front of Barbara Bush's points of light foundation and front of the former former first lady and all of these famous people. And mm. we worked together on that speech and it was fantastic. So that's that rant, that rebellion really started mm. my business. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm noticing that, and I'm just noticing that it's a, it's sort of a positioning against something. Is that purposeful or can your rebellion be for something or is it really a strong stance that you need to be against something? You need both. Mm. So I have based this messaging theory or this messaging framework out mm -hmm. of social movement theory. So mm. all social movements are moving away from something. And when mm. I work with people, we, we name their villain. So my villain now is manipulative marketing. I'm mm. very much against all the bro marketing, the scarcity, yeah. all of like the swipe files that we see that are loaded with NLP and other stuff that people don't quite understand. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and so that's what I'm against, but I'm for the three word rebellion, creating mm. this message that matters and that 
encapsulates the change you want to create. So the three word rebellion itself typically ends up being a positive message mm. for people. Mm-hmm. Like for example, one of my clients, hers is profit without worry. Mm. And she creates marketing funnels for people. And like funnel is such a terrible world word that people don't like, but her funnels were so radically different that calling it that mm-hmm. was a disservice. So mm-hmm. we came up with this idea of like, okay, profit without worry. And her clients, right clients were like, ooh, yeah, I, I want I want that. How do I like how do I do that? Yeah. And that's really the power of that three-word rebellion. So you have the you're you're against something, you have a villain, you have a foil, but also mm-hmm. you're for something and creating a change in the world. So once you have your three-word rebellion, what do you do with it? So once you have your three-word rebellion, (laughs) you get to create more messaging. (laughs) 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 Because it's like those three words are there to create intrigue, to create curiosity, to grab people's attention and make them think like, okay, she's doing something a little bit different in the world. But what happens next is that Great, you've got their attention. Now, how do you get their buy-in? Well, you need more messaging that really builds a persuasive argument for your work Mm -hmm. and reaches people along the customer awareness spectrum, right? So this is Eugene Schwartz, Breakthrough Advertising. He talks about like the unaware audience, the people Mm -hmm. who don't know you yet. How are we reaching them? What conversations are we having? And then how do we get them to have like a belief shift or realize what the problem is they're having. What are those conversations that structure this argument and move people along to being bought into what you're doing and being ready to work with you? We're not selling, we're not convincing, we're helping people get ready to work with you. And then once we have that structure down, which ends up pretty being like a pretty large piece of messaging that you just use throughout your marketing and your copy, then Mm. we can fill in like the stories you want to be telling, your stories, um, your clients' stories, and how that all relates to your work. Hmm. So once you have all of that, then it's like, okay, you have this comprehensive messaging strategy that you can use in your marketing and your copy in your sales. And then it's really about applying it to your marketing strategy, because I really believe that any marketing strategy can work if your message is dialed in and it actually resonates with your audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So Michelle, who are you that you would be doing this work? Like who, like, tell us how you got here. Yeah, so I have a PhD in communication. I was in academia for ever, it seemed <laughs> like. I was an assistant professor at the University of Hawaii teaching persuasion and art. The University of Hawaii? And... Yep. Was it <laughs> awesome or not? No, oh, it was not break awesome. Break my heart. It's... I mean, Hawaii is a beautiful place. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's very hard to live there because, I mean, you are in the most, you're on the most isolated island chain in the entire world, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's five hours to get to California, seven hours to get to Japan. Mm. So uh, there is 
yeah so you're on your own and mm. the community tends to be very insular like it's hard to break in it's hard mm. to meet friends because they see oh that howley which means white person in hawaiian okay <laughs> um, like they'll just leave in a few months so it's not worth to get mm. invested so I it was see. this very like isolating time and i was single at the time mm. as well and it just when I was at the point where I had to go up for tenure, it was this mm -hmm. decision of like, go up for tenure and commit to living here mm -hmm. or leave and try to find, build a fulfilling life somewhere else. And so I chose to leave. Yeah. And was it just Hawaii or was it something about academia that didn't really suit you too? Oh yeah. Academia was, I love teaching. I yeah. love doing research. I did not love the politics. Like I am not a very, I mean, I can be political. However, like you can always read exactly what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling mm. on my face. So like having that poker face that you would need to go through faculty meetings was not my jam. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I can see that. And yet um, you mentioned that you do like politics. So that's something that you mentioned in your book, actually, is that you sort of mm -hmm. started out as somewhat political, but your political dreams were crushed in the third grade. <laughs> <laughs> what happened yes. in the third grade that totally changed the course of your life? Yeah. So I was like, I, I don't know, like I was like four or five years old and already into <laughs> politics, like Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan. Like I knew that this presidential election has happening. I knew I was a Democrat. Like, I don't know, you're five. How do you know you're a Democrat? But apparently I was, and right, I guess I right. still am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just really thought that, oh, politicians are here to help people. Mm. And that was so inspiring to my five-year-old mind. So I thought, okay, this is my life path. This is what I'm going to do. And then I ran for student council <laughs> and I realized that a, it was really hard. And B, you had to talk to people, which I was a little bit introverted and shy at that point in my mm -hmm. life. And I did not win. I got crushed. Oh, so brutal. <laughs> yeah. Very so great that, student council. I know. So that dashed my dreams of dashed politics. Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and yet you persevered and you got a PhD in communications, became a professor, mm -hmm. and then the politics again dashed your dreams or changed them, I guess. Yeah. And so what what Tell us about that moment when you're like sitting in Hawaii, feeling isolated and out of place. And yet, oh. I mean, listen, I have a PhD too in cognitive psychology and I was hundred percent on the researcher track period, full stop. Mm -hmm. No, no train till no, no sleep till Brooklyn. I was on my way. And then I remember the day that I was like, <gasps> what if I don't do that? Mm -hmm. But I have to do that. But what if I don't do that? That little voice, right? That's whispering in the back yeah. of your mind. What if you don't do that, Amanda? What if that's not what's right for you? And thinking mm -hmm. like, that was a very hard moment. Maybe it wasn't for you, but it was for me. Like, what was that moment like for you? Well, it was interesting because I had several moments going on. Like my mm. mom had passed away. Mm four or five months prior to this decision, I had a boyfriend in England and I had just 
when my mom passed away, I was actually living in England and teaching there, which was an amazing experience to live in London. Um, And so I had broken up with my boyfriend in London and was just like, no, I'm I'm done with this. Like, Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm just done. And... it was, it was like this point in time in my life. I'm like, I'm just going to burn it all down. Like I am mm-hmm. not happy doing this. There are parts that I like, but it's not enough to keep me here. Like I have mm-hmm. nothing for me here. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, after losing my mom, losing a boyfriend, it was just like, well, what's one more loss? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we'll just, we'll just move through all of this grief together at once and it just made a lot of sense that i was going to leave and do something different where did you go and what did you do so i am in seattle that's where i moved to and Mm -hmm. at first i still was doing some adjunct teaching at the university of washington Mm -hmm. and i also took a research job at harborview medical center in the psychiatry department which was uh wow psychiatrists yeah 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 they're an odd group of people It was, it was a very interesting job. I wasn't working with patients. I was really just doing some like data analysis for them. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into market research like, yeah, yeah, for consumer product goods. So okay. I worked with companies mm-hmm. like uh, General Mills, Kerrygold Butter. I, then I was doing some, then after that I was doing work with like Microsoft. So I've, yeah, so I was really into market research and doing all of that because I was like, well, I'm a researcher. So my skills translate, except I'm mm-hmm. also psychologically unemployable. I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Psychologically unemployable. Tell us more about that. What does that mean? Yeah. It means I really don't like people telling me what to do. Mm. And the definition of the word help is help or assist. <laughs> Siri was <laughs> Thank you, Siri, but I want Michelle to answer that question. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not great at taking orders. I always mm. had a lot of questions. So people would be like, well, I think we, you know, like Michelle, you need to do this. And I'm like, but why and why are we doing it that way and what if we did it this way and so I was always this questioner at work which made me a huge pain in the butt I'm sure such a rebel yeah and so at the same time I was doing the job I was blogging on the side just kind of because I had all of this information about communication in my head and I really wasn't doing anything with it mm-hmm. and a friend of mine was just like you should blog you should do something get all the goodness out of your brain and into the world mm-hmm. so that's what I did and then eventually um I was at a job and my boss who I loved he was a great boss he was like I'm being promoted and he's telling me all about this excitedly and like my future at the company and like in my head, I'm like spinning out because I'm like, I don't want to stay here. I don't Mm. want, I mean, I was planning on quitting in the next six months. I was not planning on telling my employer that soon, Mm -hmm. but he's telling me, so it was like, he was excitedly talking about all this great stuff. And then he's like, so what do you think? I "I think I'm going to (laughs) quit. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, not today. <laughs> wow. What an internal compass you have. Mm-hmm. It's like I, a, it's like a dictator in there. It's like, no, you will ask this question. You will quit this job. So yeah. tell me like, I just, I just couldn't lie to him. Right. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. It just just didn't seem right to like pretend that, oh yeah, this sounds great and I'm totally going to stay when I'm like, no, I want the hell out. Yeah. Right. So you have a very strong regulator in your Mm -hmm. psychology and a, and a really strong sense of conscientiousness. It seems like that seems to be something that runs through both like your lived experiences as you're telling them to us here, Mm -hmm. um, as well as through your, your model of your three word rebellion, right? It's like a lot about who are you really, what do you really think? Stop with all the nonsense and trying to like force or fake or trick people mm-hmm. into working with you and instead just say who you are. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, who you are, what you believe, get in touch with how they're feeling, empathize with people, like all of this. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been really aware, and I think it's because I have training and communication of how my words impact other people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we see in business is like people completely unaware of what they're saying, what they're promising and how that impacts other people, how it's received. And I am always very tuned in to that. And I think, I, I mean, I think that's what makes me really great at messaging and communication because when I work with a client, I'm always filtering it through this lens of like, how would this person feel? if they hear this? Is it going to be like, oh, push them away? Mm. Or is it going to make them come in closer? And I always want to make the right people come in closer. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out the Great Work Community. The Great Work Community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working, accountability, coaching, and just-in-time courses check out the great work community. The link is in the show notes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think you're right that the vast majority of people are totally unaware of the impact Mm -hmm. that they're having on other people and the role that they're, you know, the things that we remember that we care for in our lives that we help to define ourselves are often just one-off comments from other people. And that person had no, Mm -hmm. any reality or any sense that what they were saying was going to carry that person forward for years or haunt them for years. Yes. And I think what, and the interesting thing is that you've got like that juxtaposition on the one hand, there's all these people sort of blindly unaware of the way words impact them and the way their words are impacting others. And then what you pointed to the people who are acutely aware of exactly which words to say to get Mm -hmm. people starting to feel like there's scarcity and urgency and I'm going to FOMO, I'm going to miss out on this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's gotta be hard to be the one saying walk away. Now, first of all, it's actually not that easy to manipulate people into doing what you persuasively want them to. That's why like 1% of people are successful at moving big numbers through sales funnels and really making millions of dollars. And everybody mm-hmm. else spends three to $5,000 trying to do it exactly that way. And then they fail. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 But nonetheless, your voice, it really is a rebellion, right? Like that Mm -hmm. you should just stop, try, like opt out of that game. So tell me what struggles have you had sort of bringing this message to the world, this this great work of yours? Oh, so many struggles. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was interesting. So when I first came up with the three word rebellion, it was through a conversation with a book coach named Jenny Nash. And she was like, oh, you're really onto something with this. You can call it something like the three word speech. And I'm like, 
cool. I don't want to do public speaking coaching anymore. So mm-hmm. let's, I'm like, I like the three words. And then my brand was already communication rebel. So I was like, okay, it's the three word rebellion. And then it felt so big. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, this is a message that is choosing me. Like, and who am I to deliver this? Mm. And like, I totally had this imaginary nemesis with Donald Miller, the building the story brand guy happening because he is the guy that is kind of known for messaging. Like if you go into a Facebook group and you ask like, I need help with messaging someone I can guarantee will recommend his book because it is everywhere. And so he became this like imaginary nemesis in my head. Like, who am I to think that I'm an expert, that I am the best in the world at doing this kind of messaging when Donald Miller exists and look, he has this New York Times bestselling book and oh, and and everybody recommends him and he's on all of these podcasts and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And it really held me back from putting my work out there Mm. like to a point where like I had multiple coaching sessions with my coach talking Mm. about this man who doesn't even know me yeah (laughs) right yeah Like, like he doesn't know me but in my head it's like I couldn't do the work that I meant to do because he exists and he has this book. And what's, I mean, looking back, I'm like, okay, this was so ridiculous because Mm. he and I are so different. Uh, We served kind of different clientele, even though he's just recommended to everyone. Like I'm always serving like the rebels, the misfits, the people Mm. who are like swimming in the blue ocean with their new idea, or they're doing something in the intangible result realm. And story brand never was designed for them there was, it was never designed for my people and it took me a while to kind of untangle that how I did mean, you untangle it what did you need to realize what did you need to step into oh my gosh yeah so multiple coaching sessions and really <laughs> monitoring what my thoughts were around him mm-hmm. like oh because the thought was, oh, yes, it's a New York Times bestselling book. So he's better at this than me. Mm-hmm. And my coach at one point was like, is that true? Mm, <laughs> is, is, that, is that like a, is that like a true thought that he's better than you because he has this New York Times bestselling book or has he just had a different opportunity than you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, and honestly, like I wrote a lot in my journal, like, and sometimes it's just repeating, like, I am the best in the world at creating three word rebellions. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, you know, like when you start just kind of practicing a new thought, you start seeing proof of it in the mm-hmm. world. So all of a sudden, you know, somebody shares about the book and how finding their three word rebellion and what that meant for their business. And I'm like, mm-hmm oh interesting or i get feedback from a client and they're like i just had the sales conversation and it was incredible i used my three-word rebellion and they were super curious and they ended up signing up so it's like oh wait i'm seeing like all this proof that i would have shut out before because Mm. i didn't have the new york times best-selling book and it's Mm. i mean it's funny because i mean it's a couple years removed but it feels so it feels so silly now but i know i'm not the only one not at all who compares themselves to someone else in their industry right well and i actually don't know the story brand guy because i'm not in messaging but Mm -hmm. it is i'm assuming that 
some of it is not really that you're comparing. Sometimes people say, don't compare your middle to someone else's end. Yeah. And, I'm, and that there's a way that that could be interpreted as somebody who's like so expert and so capable, but I don't mean it that way. I mean, like mm-hmm. we have this way we're comparing, like I'm writing a book, Well, my book is written, thank the Lord. But, you know, <laughs> as I was writing the book and I'm reading my drafts and I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever read, right? Like you have that, you've you've written a book, you've written a few. So you're like, this is the worst. This is the best. This is the worst. It's really a roller coaster. Maybe yours wasn't Mm -hmm. like that, but it was like that for me. But it's interesting. Like his book was out there. He had not really like, it's not that he was so much more capable, but he was more just like all the collateral, all the testimonials, all the mm-hmm. word of mouth, like had just built up. It had accumulated for him. It hadn't accumulated for you yet. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, he was first to market with mm-hmm. a messaging book. And I think that's always a big advantage. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, he's been at this a lot longer than I have with his story brand framework. He'd been, you know, doing workshops and groups mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff for years before I came along and came up with my framework. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do, you accumulate a lot, especially when you're first mm-hmm. and you've acu- like, I love that idea. Like you've accumulated all of this momentum and this capital around this message around this framework. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a little upstart coming in, like you can't, you you like you can't compete against that. But then that person for me just kind of loomed larger than life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I wonder, like you sort of overcame that and you put your stuff out in the world and you had the courage to let it accumulate some and started to convince yourself. And then you find yourself, maybe you, maybe you haven't experienced this, but I bet you have that now you're at your new edge and now there's something Mm. new that you're going to feel like an imposter about that. You're going to be looking at everybody who's further along with more accumulation than you. What other things have you sort of, you know, come up against that are like that, like new edges that sort of put you back in that place? Yeah, that's such a good, a good question. Well, and so what it's making me think of is my friend Maggie Patterson and I have a podcast called Duped the Dark Side of Online Business, where mm-hmm. we sit, it's really a consumer advocacy podcast where we kind of break down what we see in the online marketing place from like how things are priced to manipulative marketing to messaging tropes, like, mm-hmm. like courses, like all of it, and talk about like, how do you figure out if these things are actually right for you? How do you make informed decisions? How do you critically think through these decisions for your business? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because Maggie and I both have this experience a lot where we do a lot of research and a lot of original analysis Mm -hmm. for the podcast. And then we see some other online business owner who just takes our work and and shares it as if they're it's their own and you and I are both academics so we're like gotta cite sources man always gotta be (laughs) citing sources like that's ingrained in us and it's always so hard to see it because I like read Mm. something and I'm like oh I I said that like that's my thing yeah 
and you're taking credit for it and that is like that can be an incredibly hard edge as well that just kind of like ticks you off and you're like I mean, and this is a problem, I feel like, uh, universally in online business. Like, we actually did an episode about plagiarism mm-hmm. <laughs> for the podcast because it is so rampant. There's yeah. this idea of just, like, rob and duplicate in the online world. Mm-hmm. But if you're the person being robbed and duplicated, it's really hard to see your work um, coming out of somebody else's mouth. And then people responding to them like, oh, you're so smart uh-huh. for saying this thing. And you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, and I bet that gets more and more common the bigger you get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I often talk about like Simon Sinek and start with why mm-hmm. and how I see so many people talking about start with why without even mentioning him. Yeah. I mean, and it's cool because like he's moved on from the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's doing a bigger, better things. Like he has like in his company, other people speak about it. So he's totally like let that message go and taken a life of its own. And I was like, well, good on you. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm always like, mm, this is really hard. Well, Simon Sinek also has like a massively popular TED talk called Start With Why. So if you do, right, your Google search, even a single Google search, you're going to come up with Simon Sinek. It does happen, I think, more pervasively too. Like I was just on a, I don't know, mastermind or something with Bob Berg, you know, the guy who wrote The Go-Giver. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was talking about the fact that nobody ever remembers like, so you're, you and Bob Berg are sharing the same like cliff of difficulty that no one ever remembers that it was his book, Endless Referrals, that first coined the, the no like, and trust. All else being equal, people will work with you if they know, like, and trust you. Oh. Yeah. He was just talking about how like very few people really acknowledge that that was his work. And yet it's pervasive. It's everywhere. It hurts. Oh yeah. Like- I feel like when I was teaching persuasion, like Robert Cialdini talked about that in his book and didn't mention Bob Berg. I'm pretty sure. I guess I I have that book sitting on my desk. I can probably go look it up afterwards. Yeah, I know. I'll have to check the the back notes, the end notes of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. I I think it's like the message becomes part of the cultural zeitgeist and then people don't cite it anymore because now it feels like common knowledge. Right. Right. Well, common knowledge is that, right. Yes. I agree with you that that's probably exactly what's happening is they don't even know where they heard it. I mean, think about mm-hmm. like, I, I find this happens a lot, right? Like after what, uh, nine and a half years of graduate school, like between my master's and my PhD, actually it was probably six years, but still right. And then my undergraduate four years, so 10 years, right. Of formal education in cognitive psychology. I know things because I feel like I know them. I don't remember which theory was the first one to really bring that piece up all the time. Oops, sorry. Cat. <laughs> sorry. No, that's okay. So yeah, I guess it makes sense that people would struggle with that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, and, and yet it's super annoying. Oh yeah. <laughs> for you. It's really hard. And you know, for us, it's like, this stuff hasn't been around very long. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, the, you know, it, it was a book written 10 years ago where we discussed this. It's a podcast that came out last year where <laughs> we were doing some of this original analysis. Yeah. So it's, it's well, original really... analysis is a very different thing than a phrase too. So yeah, that's very yeah. hard. 
Yeah. yeah. So it's, so that's kind of like an edge that I bump up against and not letting, like, I feel like at this point in time, I'm just like, oh, just forget it. I can't, I can't like deal with these battles. I have my own business to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people actually did their research, they would find out who actually said this first. And those are definitely my people. <laughs> right, right. In the interim, it's like, if we want to make change in the industry, um, then we need people to be sharing the work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just have to let go of getting credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's wise. That's wise and hard. Wise and hard. Mm-hmm. Two things that commonly go together. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, but duped is not your only podcast. You have two podcasts. Yes. Yeah. So duped is our seasonal podcast that I co-host with Maggie and the rebel uprising podcast is really dedicated to cutting through all of the noise and BS advice to really help you build a business that stands out and gets noticed. So Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about marketing. I talk a lot about persuasion, argument building, messaging, three word rebellion. Um, Like this month we're talking, I love to challenge arguments, like something that is widely (laughs) accepted, like your business needs to be on social media and ask the question, does it really, do you really need to be on social media to build the business or mm-hmm. are there other options? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's other options. Nice. Yeah. Well, I am hundred percent sure that somebody was just like, wait, what are the other options? So if, if somebody was like now dying to talk to you about that or any of the other things that you've said so far, how could someone find out about you or spend time with you or learn more about your message? Yeah, so you can find out about me at drmichellemazur.com. So Mm -hmm. that's where my podcast lives and the podcast is available everywhere. You Mm -hmm. can also find the book or get a taster of the book at threewordrebellion.com. And right now I am in the middle or beginning to run a community project and it's very much related to what you and I were talking about kind of that the struggles the messy middle of success Mm -hmm. and that's called it should have been me Mm. a project exploring the messy middle of success and Mm. I'm gathering 20 other business owners to talk about how do they deal with that comparison those you know ah, I really wish I would have gotten that opportunity that my friend got. Like, you're so happy for them. And yet you're like, oh, it should have been me. So how do we navigate through those and get our important work out into the world? And so that goes for the whole month of March. You can join anytime and you can do that at drmichellemazur.com slash me. It's short, actual little podcast. Yep. Just okay. I'll definitely put it in the show notes also. So they don't even have to remember. They can just click it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll be short little actionable podcast episodes that come out every day just to like Mm. give you some inspiration and help you keep going to get your work out into the world. Wow. And are you running that inside like a Facebook group or are you having a rebellion over on Discord? Um, No, I'm actually doing it on Instagram. So (laughs) yeah, my, my, the person who's helping me organize it, she's like, well, you could do a Facebook community. And I'm like, I'd rather not. I do not love Facebook. <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast just so people could see the face you just made when you were like, yeah. I know. So like, I, uh, yeah. Like I struggle with Instagram too, but not as much as Facebook. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can totally see that. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this wisdom, everything from the, your story and your program and your book and just the way that you think about things. So interesting and rebellious. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for joining me today on the Unleashing Your Great Work podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And hey, don't forget to check out the Align Time Journal. You need support to get started. Stay at it and unleash your great work out into the world. See you next time.